Would you all join me in giving Van Cochran, our lead pastor, a round of applause as he brings you the message? Thanks, everyone. That's a nice welcome. I appreciate it. Hey, uh, before we get into the message today, <clears throat> I want to share with you something that's going to happen next week, and that is that... Um, Dan Smoker, who is our, our building uh, supervisor, runs the whole facility for us, longtime member of this church. Uh, about a year ago, Dan had a horrible fall out west of Colorado. He fell literally 25 feet straight down onto solid rock, and um, in the process of that, broke his neck, broke uh, several vertebrae, compression fractures in his vertebrae, broke nine or 11 ribs, I can't remember which one and uh, uh, just shattered his pelvis, lacerated his bladder, and literally died on the spot. And they brought him back two times. Uh, but there were people there that God had brought just at that moment that, that literally saved his life. And one of them is a star NFL running back. And um, next week, we're going to have Dan and his wife, Lil, here to share the story of everything that happened and all the miracles that occurred after that with Dan in recovery. He recovered so fast. It's just amazing how, how quickly he recovered from this. He's been back on the job for at least six months and um, just a wonderful couple. So next Sunday, in place of a sermon, we're going to interview Dan and Lil Smoker and let them talk about how they, how they made it through that and how God's uh, grace and strength was with them through the whole thing. So, um, boy, what a great morning already, huh? Yeah. I mean, we could end right now literally without me saying another word and go home and would say, man, that Vineyard Northwest is an awesome church. <laughs> <laughs> Nevertheless, I am going to speak. <laughs> so let's pray. Uh, Father, we're thankful that you are active. Thankful that you are working here. And Holy Spirit, we just, we welcome your presence. We just welcome you here. Reveal more of Jesus to us. Reveal more of the Father's heart. Give us open hearts to receive everything that you have for us. We, just, we open our hearts to you now, Holy Spirit. Just say that with me. Say these words, I open my heart to you, Holy Spirit. All right. All right, say that with me. I open my heart to you, Holy Spirit. We do that to receive everything you have for us today. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> All right. So there was this older man who was uh, talking to some younger men about marriage and about his life. And he told them that um, when, for his 25th wedding anniversary, he had taken his wife to China. And at, at that time in history, they thought, well, that's kind of an odd thing to take your wife to China for a wedding anniversary. But they knew he had been married for a long time. So they said, well, what did you do for like your 40th wedding anniversary? And he said, what did you do for your wife then? He said, well, for my 40th wedding anniversary, I went to China and brought her home. <laughs> okay, okay, come on. That's better than your response, or I didn't tell it right. I'll tell another one then, okay? What did the duck say to the server at the cosmetic store when, when the duck bought lipstick? Just put it on my bill. Okay. <laughs> 
All right, so uh, let, let's just leave the jokes behind then, okay? We'll just forget that part of the service. But that first guy, uh, even though he was old and had been married for a long time, he didn't know much about marriage, did he? He didn't understand it. Lori and I have been married for almost 43 years now. And um, boy, I'm just so thankful for my wife. She's wonderful, wonderful wife and uh, wonderful bride. I, we met in May of 1975. Prior to that, we had never met. We wrote letters. I lived in Akron, Ohio. She lived here in Cincinnati. We wrote letters for two months. And then I came down to Cincinnati to visit her from Akron. I went home that weekend in love. My roommate, I went back to Akron, and my roommate and I went out to eat uh, Sunday night, and I started stopping at green lights. And uh, he, he said that was because Lori had messed with my mind, which <laughs> was really the truth. But uh, the third time I came down to see Lori, I proposed, and she said yes. That was in August. Then we got married November 30th, the end of a church service in Remington, Ohio. And we got married at the end of a church service because my dad had told me once that when he was in a boy, all of the weddings took place on Sunday morning because he said the farmers were not going to get dressed up and come into town two times in the same week. <laughs> and so we liked that idea for other reasons, just wanted to make it just part of the life of the church body. Uh, and, and so we got married at the end of the service. And I remember just how surreal the whole thing was. And how then you're, you're just kind of like floating along in this space of, of almost unreality, wondering how, what happened? You know, six months ago, I didn't even have a girlfriend. Now I've got a beautiful wife. And how did she say yes to me? How did that happen? And, and it's just amazing. But the, the thing is, all I had to do was say yes. So all I had to do was say, yes, I do. I do. Lori, I choose you as my wife. Now, now, she had to say yes, too. Fortunately, she did. But from that moment on, we were married. We were united in marriage. The two of us had become one. Even though in those early moments, it was still surreal and it didn't feel like I was married. It just felt like, you know, what the heck has happened here? Nevertheless, from that moment on, the two of us were in union as one. In fact, the Bible takes that so seriously that in the Old Testament, there's a story of a man named Job. And Job had uh, come under attack from Satan. And God stepped in and God said, he, he set limits to what Job could do to Satan. And so he, he said, or what uh, Satan could do to Job. And he, he, said, um, he said, you can't touch Job's flesh. In other words, you can't touch his own body, his own flesh and blood. And so Satan attacked all of his children. And he attacked his business and just decimated his business. He attacked his servants and, and just left, left Job destitute. But he didn't touch Job's body and he did not touch Job's wife. And that's because when God said, you can't touch his flesh, his wife was counted in that because they had become one. They become one flesh. It wasn't just like a nice illustration. It was a reality, a spiritual reality that they were one. And the moment I said, I do, the moment Lori said, I do, we became one in union with each other. Now, this whole idea of wedding, of being in union with each other is one of the key elements of the gospel that I think so often we miss. We think about the gospel as paying the price for our sins so we can go to heaven when we die. 
We think of the gospel as something that gives us a new life or gives us joy or peace and all those things we get through the gospel through Christ. But all of that is had because we become wed to Jesus. We come into union with Jesus. And when you come into union with Jesus, then whatever is his becomes yours. When Lori and I got married, we blended our checking accounts. What was hers was mine. What was mine was hers. And when you come into union with Christ, and the Bible says this in Ephesians 1, it's uh, just a very powerful, uh, powerful truth. But in Ephesians 1, it says this. Let me find it here. All right, here we are. Let us give thanks to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, for in our union with Christ, he has blessed us by giving us every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. In our union with Christ, we get everything that Jesus has. That's what that's saying. Every spiritual blessing. So you're not blessed because you prayed more than the person who lives beside you. You're not blessed because you've read the whole Bible a dozen times. You're not blessed because you, you went out and served the poor. You're blessed because you're in Jesus. You're blessed because you're in union with him. And then the reason you read the Bible is because you're in union with him. And the reason you pray is because you're in union with him. And the reason you serve the poor is because you're in union with him and he has a heart for the poor. And so you have a heart for the poor. He loves God, so you love God. Because it's in union with him that we receive everything that we have in, in our relationship with God and every spiritual blessing. It all comes by being in union with Jesus Christ. Now, 1 Corinthians 1.30 uh, just makes this real clear. He says, God brought you into union with Jesus Christ. God did it. The Father did it. He brought you into union with Christ the moment you said, I do. The moment you said yes to Jesus, you were brought into union in Christ. Just as the moment I said yes, yes, I received Lori as my wife, we were, we were one, we were united. And it is through that union that God is able to fulfill his desire for your life, what he created you to be. So this, this whole idea of union is so powerful. Colossians 2.6 says this, since you have accepted Christ Jesus as Lord, live in union with him. All right, so you've accepted him. The moment you accepted him, the moment you stood before the Father, it's like you and Jesus stood before the Father, and the Father says, uh, Jesus, do you, receive, do you receive this person in union? And, and Jesus said, yeah, I did. That's why I died for them. That's why I rose from the dead. And, and as soon as you say yes to that, you become united with him. It's a past fact. It's something that's already happened. It's not something that's going to happen someday. It's something that's already happened. It's not something you work your way into. It's not like, okay, I've received Jesus. Now I've got to really work hard so I can be in union with Jesus. It is an accomplished fact. It, now, you get better at living in union, just as we've gotten better at being married, and, and you grow in that, but the fact of the union is a real thing the moment you receive Jesus. Lori and I, uh, first couple years we were married, every time we went back to our hometown, we'd, we'd bicker and fight a lot. And finally, Lori convinced me, she, well, she got through to me when she said, when we come back here, it feels like you're single again. 
and I'm just your girlfriend tagging along. And boy, when she said that, it was kind of like, wow, I can see that. I see that. I understand that. So you do grow. You grow in the relationship, and it's, but it's possible for us, it's possible for us not even to understand the extent of the union we have. And if we don't understand it and focus on it, then we don't end up walking in it. And it's walking in that union. And believe me, I've, I've gained so much more joy and peace in life by focusing on my wife more than old friends. You get that? If it, it, it focusing on putting her ahead, putting her ahead of family and everyone else because we're one and I'm not one with anyone else, just with her. And so you grow in your experience and understanding of that union with Jesus in the same way. But it is an accomplished fact the moment that you receive Jesus into your heart. You come into, you're married to Jesus, okay? You're wed. We call them wedding ceremonies. And you know that the word wed is, uh, one of the synonyms for wed is weld. Do we have any welders here? It's weld. It's, it's, it's not, it, it's when something, when two pieces of metal are welded together, something hap different happens than when they are bolted together. You can bolt two pieces of metal together and get the job done. If you weld them together, what you, what, the way they define welding is, it is heating two pieces of metal so that they can be joined together in, in a molecular structural way. And, and so it is a fusing together of two pieces of metal, not just a bolting together where, the, where there's, no real, there's no real connection. And when you come to Christ, you are fused into him. You become one with him. Your life becomes one with his life. Now, Jesus probably gives us the best illustration of this when he talks about um, the, the, the branches and the, um, and the vine. And he says this in John 15, 5. He said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Okay, pretty simple, isn't it? I'm the vine, you're the branches. All right, get that? Jesus says, I'm the vine. Now, what does a vine consist of? It consists of roots, doesn't it? A main stalk, branches that come off, leaves that come off the branches, sometimes leaves that come off the main stalk. That, that's what a vine is. Jesus says, I'm the whole deal. I am the vine. And you have grafted into me as individual branches. And so the branch does not have life separate from the vine. And every part of the branch is part of the vine. The leaf is part of the vine. The little stem at the bottom of the leaf is part of the vine. The little funny thing at the end that connects to the stem is part of the vine. And, 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 and it's all part of the vine. And this, this branch, it receives life from the vine. And its life is all wrapped up in the vine. There's a union there. There's a fusing together, a union, a oneness that has happened. When you receive Jesus, you come into him and he comes into you. And it's very fair to say you're married to Jesus. 
Now, sometimes I think, ladies, you get a bad rap because the Bible talks so much about sons of God. But when it's doing that, in that culture, it was only sons who inherited. So what he was saying was, whether you're a man, a woman, or whoever you might be, whatever race you come from, you are a full inheritor. When it says we're all sons of God, it's saying we're all get a full inheritance. And, but, but us guys, we have to deal with the fact that we're the bride of Christ and we're married to Jesus, so it kind of evens out there. But whatever it is, you are wed to Jesus because the word wed even means to join two things together, to fuse them together so that they are inseparable and so that their life is inseparable from uh, one another. Now, um, when you look at that, you might say, well, how can that be? How can it possibly be that I would, I would be wed to Jesus? Jesus is in heaven and the Father's in heaven. So how can it be that he can be in me? Because Jesus said, there's going to come a day when you're going to understand that I'm in the Father and, and I am in you and you are in me. The Father is in me and I am in you and you are in me. And so what he's saying there is, look, our lives are all wrapped up together. And what God's intent from the very beginning was, was to fuse our lives to, into the love of the Trinity so that we could be in intimate, bonded relationship with the triune God. And we have that through our bonding, our union with Jesus. And the way it happens is the Holy Spirit. Because Jesus said, told his apostles, I'm going to go back to heaven but he said, that's a good thing for you because right now I can be here with you, but when the Holy Spirit comes, he's going to be actually in you. And so it's going to be a different thing. He's going to be inside you. And so when the Holy Spirit comes inside us, he brings with him the other two members of the Trinity, the Father and the Son. And so this union with Jesus is just this incredible, beautiful thing that happens through the presence of the Holy Spirit who's in us. If you have a hard time understanding that, look at this verse, John 14, 20. John 14, 20 tells us how we understand this. He says, on that day, he's saying the day the Holy Spirit comes, on that day, you will understand that I am in my Father and you are in me and I am in you. So how do you get to understand this? Through the Holy Spirit. It can't just be illustrations and stories. It takes the Holy Spirit to reveal it to us. It takes the Holy Spirit to open our minds to see it. And I believe that's what he wants to do today. And you know, the Holy Spirit gets to the mind through the heart. You open up your heart to him and he flows into your, and he, and he gets to your mind that way so that, so that you hear these words and you go, ah, oh, I get it now. I understand. And so I just pray right now, Holy Spirit, release just a wave of revelation through this room into what it means to say that we are in union with Jesus, that we are wed to Jesus, that we are one with him, that we're the, that we're, we're the branches, he's the whole vine. Show us what that means. Show us, Lord, so we can live it out, so we can walk it out. So you might say, well, okay, I can accept that. But um, Holy Spirit's with me, and, and a lot of people think this way, even though it might not be your theology, even though you might say otherwise, and all of us, myself included, we can easily slip into this thinking, yeah, he's with me until I sin, and God's holy, so when I sin, he has to back off, and, and he can't be with me when I sin because, you know, he's so holy that my sin would be an offense to him, and so when I sin, Holy Spirit... Well, he, he doesn't exactly leave, 
But the, Jesus does, and the Father does. Jesus just gets disgusted with me. The Father's just flat out angry with me when I sin. And the Holy Spirit, he steps, he steps off, but he stays close enough to yell at me. You know, he stays close, close enough to, to call me a, a sinner and to say, how dare you do that? Don't you know how you're wounding the heart of God when you do that? What's wrong with you? And, and to shame me. That's so easy for us to think of it that way. But the truth is, no matter what I do, Jesus is with me. He said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And so it doesn't, whatever we do, he doesn't forsake us. He doesn't leave us. In fact, in an amazing passage in 1 Corinthians 6, 15, just this, this is an amazing truth. It says this, don't you realize that your bodies are actually parts of Christ? He's saying you are in union with Christ so that your very body is part of Jesus. So he goes on to say, should a man take his body, which is a part of Christ, and join it with a prostitute? See, they were having some problems in the Corinthian church with, with believers going to the temple prostitutes. And the answer is never. That shouldn't happen. But notice what he doesn't say. He doesn't say that when you walk up to the brothel, Jesus says, oh, wait, whoa, wait a second. What are we, where are we going now? You're going in there? Now count me out, buddy. Uh, if you go in there, you're on your own, okay? You follow what I'm saying? He says you're joining the parts of Christ to a prostitute. And so Jesus doesn't like leave you because you sin. He doesn't pull away in disgust because you sin. Your union with him is unbreakable. It, it can't be broken. It's not going to be broken by anything. Now, you might say, well, if that's the case, then I guess I can just sin it up. If that's the case, I know where I'm going as soon as the service is over. Now, honestly, seriously, if you're thinking that, and, and if you're just thinking that theoretically, like a theological point, that's one thing. But if you're thinking that in the sense of yippee, then you really got to search your heart because maybe you don't know Jesus at all. And, and maybe, maybe, maybe the reason you're drawn that direction and you think that's a great thing that you can go do whatever you want to do is because Jesus really isn't bonded to you. You haven't really become in union with him because when a person comes into union with Christ, they receive a new life. And you see, the branch doesn't have different sap in it than the, than the vine does, than the stalk does. It's all one thing. It's all flowing together in life. And when, when you're bonded to Jesus, when you're wed to Jesus, you receive a new heart. And that new Jesus heart wants to follow Jesus. That new Jesus heart doesn't want to go off and do this. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't sin. That doesn't mean that a, a believer can't become so, a genuine believer can't become so despondent or such in, in such despair that they, that they fall back into taking drugs or that they actually visit a prostitute or that they, they get angry and, and, and spew vitriol and, and angry words towards someone. It doesn't mean a Christian can't do that, but what it means is it's out of character for a Christian to do those things. And if a Christian is going to flow with that new creation heart that they have, then, then they're going to recognize that that's wrong. And, and when we begin to understand this idea that we are wed to Christ, then we begin to understand that we have the full power of Christ to say no to things like that. You see, the very reason we struggle with stuff is that we recognize in our hearts it's wrong. 
Uh, you know, I struggle with, with if, if you struggle with lust, well, that's because Jesus in your heart is telling you that's not right. That's not a good thing. And, and so it's, it's him in us that causes us to even say, well, I have a struggle with this. But unless I understand that him in me and my union with him, give everything that is his is mine. Married, our, bank's account, our bank accounts merged. Everything that was Lori's became mine. Everything that was mine became hers. And when we come into union with Jesus, everything is mine. So, so I can say, all right, this is an appealing thought right now, but I know if I follow this path of thought, it's, it's going to lead me the wrong direction. And I don't want to go that direction as appealing as it is. But I have power and authority right now because I am in union with Jesus. I can say no to that because the Holy Spirit is within me. And when I just make that declaration of no, I'm a new creation in Christ. I am in union with Christ. I'm not going to go there in my thought life. As soon as that happens, then the Holy Spirit is released in me to re just to release his power in me to enable me to freely walk away from that thing. And so this union with Christ is so practical and it is such, a, such an, an incredible part of our relationship with God that to ignore it or to fail to understand it fully is, is to fail to understand everything Jesus did for us. And what it does is this, it keeps Jesus from getting what he paid for. Okay, I, I think Jesus should get what he paid for. And he didn't just pay for your free ticket to heaven. Okay, free tickets are nice. I've been given free tickets to Bengals games, to, to uh, movies and different things. I, I suspect normally it's the Bengals versus the Steelers. So I just suspect that the Bengals fans can't stand to go to that game. So they give them to me as a Steelers fan. But um, nah, I'm kidding. But free things are nice, but it's more than, it's not just a free ticket. Jesus didn't die just to give us a free ticket to heaven. He died to enter into union with us. He isn't coming back for a fiance. He's coming back for a bride. And we need to start living like a bride in full union with Christ and understanding what that means for our daily lives and walking in the authority and the power and the life of Jesus. Now... When, when, we, when we think of this, we need to recognize that through Christ, there is no condemnation, no condemnation. Condemnation is no longer a motivator. In the Old Testament, fear was a motivator. If you do this, this is going to happen. So you better not do that. Today, because we have new hearts and the Holy Spirit fills us with God's love, love is the motivator. It's love that draws us. What type of a marriage would exist based upon rules? All right, you agreed to make me bacon and eggs every morning at 7 o'clock, and it's 7.05, and I don't see any bacon and eggs on the table yet. <laughs> or you agreed to take the garbage out every week, you agreed to cut the grass, you agreed to do this and that, and I don't see it. I mean, you can't have a, a healthy relationship that way. It has to be based on love and mutual care and concern. And so it's love that is the motivator. It is love that turns our hearts around. It is love that draws us to Jesus. Someone asked me once in one of our membership classes why we don't preach harder against sin. And I know what she meant. She meant that I should yell more. I should make people feel guilty, uh, shame people some. Uh, but my answer was, we really believe that when you receive Jesus, you become a new person. We really believe that. 
And I mean, we really, really believe that so that when we speak with, with Holy Spirit's love and compassion and truth to people, that that's the thing that's going to draw them. That's the thing that will, that will, that will bring them. And so it's, it's all, this is all wrapped up in this concept of union with Christ. That's our identity. I am united with Jesus. I am married to him. I am one with him. So what we're going to do is um, go into worship here in just a moment and, um, and, and just draw back into this focus on how good God is to us and, and how wonderful he is to us. But... Um, before that, just one, more, just one more picture of this whole idea of being united with Christ. Just one. And that is this, baptism. Uh, in the Bible, it talks about being united with Christ through baptism. And, and it's not saying that baptism as a ritual unites you with Jesus. No, what unites you with Jesus is when you say yes to him. Baptism is a picture of it. Because the moment you say yes to him... The Father takes you and he immerses you in the Holy Spirit. He just dips you in the Holy Spirit. And when you come out of the Holy Spirit, you come out new. You go in old, you come out new. So think of it like this. When Adam and Eve abandoned God, they became dried up, useless, fruitless sticks. That's all they were. The only thing they were good for, toss them in the fire, might get some heat out of that. And, and they, they, they relegated all of their posterity to being dried up, useless, fruitless sticks. Now, when you receive Jesus, you're baptized into the Holy Spirit. You go under a dried up, used up, useless, fruitless stick. And you come out a living branch, fully capable of bearing all the fruit God wants you to bear. Not because you try hard, do branches have to try hard to bear fruit? No, it's in their DNA. All they have to do is be healthy. Yeah, just, just exist, be healthy, rest. When you try to bear fruit, that messes the whole process up. But when you, when you, when you say, and I'm not saying that you should never say, boy, I've got to be more patient with my wife. And so I'm going yeah, to focus on that. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying the, the way to get more patient with your wife is not by, um, by self-discipline. And, and somehow developing some mechanism in your brain that's going to make you think. No, it is by yielding to your union with Christ and letting his fruit flow through you. You realize then, no, wait a second, I don't need to become patient. I already am patient because I have Jesus. I'm in union with Jesus and he's perfectly patient. Okay, you get that? When, when, when I realize, no, I don't have to become more loving. I don't have to somehow, oh God, give me more love. No. His love is already fully in you because you are in union with Jesus and what is Jesus's is yours. And so it's, it's just tapping into his love that's in you. So that's all a cause to celebrate, folks. I believe that's a cause to really celebrate and to rejoice over everything God's done for us. And so that's how we're going to end our service. We're going, to, uh, we're going to sing another worship song. This one's Death Was Arrested. You know, I sang this song a dozen times before. I, I thought, I always pictured, I thought, well, that's kind of trite. Picturing a sheriff coming up and arresting death. That's what was in my mind. And then I realized, no, it's like a cardiac arrest. You know what that means? Death died. Okay, death was arrested. It means death died. It was the end of death. So we're going to sing about that now. Let's all stand. 
And uh, I'm just going to pray. I want you to come down front to worship. So just start coming down even while I'm talking, okay? Let's just pack this front out. Let's jump up and down and yell and shout and let heaven hear how happy we are that we are in union with Jesus, that we're wed to him. If you've never come down here, get some boldness right now and just come on down, okay? So, Father God, thank you, thank you, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for the plan you had to put us in union with your son, Jesus. Holy Spirit, we honor you and your presence here right now. Just, Holy Spirit, we welcome you to move in this room in a powerful way. And, and Jesus, we, just, we want you to have everything you paid for. So we yield our hearts to you now in Jesus' name. Amen.